Welcome back to Pace Immigration, paceimmigration.com, talking once again with immigration lawyer Michael O'Rourke. Michael, how's it going? Great, John. How are you? Very well, with some good news uh, today and some trying times. We've got temporary protected status. We're going to talk about that. Uh, this is in the news now because of the Ukraine conflict, but we'll go into the history of temporary protected status as well so that we can use this uh, to inform others who might find themselves maybe in some dire straits down the road. So let's delve into it with what temporary protected status is. I took this off the government website and then we'll elaborate. Uh, the Secretary of Homeland Security may designate a foreign country for TPS due to conditions in the country that temporarily, temporarily prevent the country's nationals from returning safely or in certain circumstances where the country is unable to handle the return of its nationals adequately. Uh, Michael, if you could just elaborate on that. Sure. So temporary protected status is kind of a placeholder. It allows a country's citizens or nationals who are already in the U.S. to stay in the U.S. if there is, say, for instance, war or conflict or hostilities, there's a natural disaster. If there's something that would put these people in harm's way if they were to return, uh, or to leave the U.S. So it doesn't really count as a status. You're not in a non-immigrant status. You're not a permanent resident or anything like that. But you're allowed to stay in the U.S. and work and support yourself during the duration of whatever this temporary event is. Right. Let's. Uh, I've got some slides here if you're watching on the YouTube channel. If you're listening on the podcast, flip on over to YouTube to take a look at some of these, but we'll go into them. Uh, so I've got here reasons for TPS. This is, again, off the government website. Uh, armed, ongoing armed conflicts, such as a civil war, environmental disasters, such as an earthquake or hurricane, as you said, uh, an epidemic. I think that's key, actually. It's not pandemic. If everybody's suffering through it, then there was no P TPS during COVID, for instance, but a, a, an Ebola epidemic, for instance, might uh, trigger it, and other extraordinary and temporary conditions. We're currently talking about the Ukraine crisis, which would fall under the armed conflict. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Uh, and that is typically when uh, TPS is granted, or if there is a major, major environmental disaster. Right. I put up some examples here, Somal all the way back Somalia in 1991 uh, with the Somali Civil War. Uh, through to El Salvador, suffered an earthquake in 2001, and then up to today with Ukraine, the armed conflict in 2022. Let's carry on a little bit because you highlighted something for me that I wanted to point out to people before we get too deep into this. It makes it sound like a blanket thing, like temporary protected status. Oh, so then, so in this instance, everyone that's uh, from Ukraine in the United States right now gets TPS. That's not the way it is, is it, Michael? It's a blanket, but you got to buy it. Right. Uh, so, for instance, uh, TPS is this fantastic program that the U.S. government extends at certain times for a, a limited duration. Uh, but to take advantage of TPS, you have to make certain applications. Uh, for instance, you have to apply for the protected status itself. Uh, if you want to work, you have to make that separate application. Uh, and if you want to travel during the TPS protection time, you actually have to make an application for um, uh, parole so that you can come back into the United States in this tempor temporary protected status if you were to leave. 
Right. One thing we should point out, too, that it doesn't matter what your status is, does it? Like, for instance, so if you're on a work visa or if you're on a visitor's visa, it doesn't matter any of that, does it? Right. And you can have entered the U.S. without inspection uh, or as some people say, you can be illegally in the U.S. and still apply for temporary protected status. It means if you are granted this, that ICE will not remove you, that you can exist in the United States without status, but with this temporary protected status. Right. I've got some uh, points here that during a designated period, TPS beneficiaries, they're not removable from the United States. As you were saying, they can stay. They can obtain an employment authorization document so they can work. That has to be applied for and it comes with a fee. We'll get into that. Uh, they may be granted travel authorization if they apply for it. Talk about that, Michael. Uh, so uh, there's an idea in U.S. law called advance parole, and that is uh, government permission for you to leave during the pendency of an application, or if you are, say, in this uh, temporary protected status, it would allow you to leave and come back. Because, uh, as you remember, temporary protected status is only for people already in the United States when the grant is made. So it doesn't really apply to anybody who's outside, say if you're a, a Ukrainian in Ukraine or Poland or Germany right now, you would not be able to take advantage of temporary protected status in the U.S. Right. They put a date on that, right? If we're going to talk about the specific that specific one, I believe it was March 1st, 2022. If you weren't in the United States, then that's it. You cannot apply for it. Right, exactly. On the date that is designated in any sort of temporary protected status designation, uh, you have to be physically present in the United States and continuously residing. Those are usually conflated into the same idea that you're here on the date that temporary protected status is to take effect. Right. Let's go into some more stuff here. We've got TPS as a temporary benefit that does not lead to lawful permanent resident status. We we keep saying that we've said that word stasis. Like you're kind of in a holding pattern, aren't you, in TPS? Because you could be in TPS. And indeed, some of the examples I gave before uh, from Honduras and such, some of those people have been in the country for like 20 years. Yes. So TPS status can be extended, but that doesn't mean you're getting some kind of a, a benefit that it's going to lead to a green card or something. Right, exactly. You can still apply for a green card, say you marry a U.S. citizen, and then you could go through that process. But TPS doesn't lead to anything other than temporarily living and working in the United States. Right. All right. We'll move on to the process itself. Uh, I, it looked a little bit confusing to me, but actually there, there are some steps here if you'd like to go into. First, first one is that protection request. Yes. And so these can be done concurrently or the protection request and the employment of authorization can be filed separately. Although I would re recommend filing everything together just to get in and working as quickly as possible. So uh, the, the main thing that you have to do is file the form I-812 and that's the, the protection request and that comes with a $50 fee. Um, the U.S. government is encouraging people to take advantage of TPS so they don't put up many barriers to uh, qualifying for it. You have right. to basically prove your residence in the U.S., you have to prove your identity, you have to 
prove your nationality and you have to prove the date that you were and uh, you had entered into the U.S. Uh, the stuff, sorry, Michael, the stuff at the sure. bottom here on our slide, court disposition records, if you were ever arrested, charged or convicted for a criminal offense, does a criminal conviction mean you can't apply for TPS? It depends. Um, okay. So uh, depends on the type of criminal conviction. Uh, there are some things that would bar you from ever applying for asylum in the United States, which is a different idea, but they take some of that into the TPS process. For instance, if you were ever involved in terrorism or genocide activities, um, uh, if you have felonies or multiple misdemeanor level crimes too, you could be barred from applying for TPS. This is where it gets complicated. So I would always uh, suggest talking with a lawyer here because whenever you've got criminality intersecting with an immigration process, it gets exponentially more difficult. I notice here that it says in court disposition records, if you're ever, if you were, uh, court disposition records might be tough to come by. It, so basically it's only if you were, it's not like you have to prove your innocence. No. Uh, so what they want to see uh, if there was criminality in a, an applicant's history is arrest records. They would want to see, for instance, an FBI report if there was uh, a, a crime committed in the U.S. They would want to see that the court process has made its way through to the end and the ultimate disposition of the case, whether it was dismissed, whether there was a fine or imprisonment imposed. But uh, that is a very important consideration for this TPS process. I notice here too, Michael, uh, evidence to prove your residence in, in the United States. Is a hotel good enough? Yes, because really you just have to be physically present. Uh, so hotel bills, uh, lease, uh, even probably an affidavit from somebody renting you a room. Uh, but you do need to prove that physical presence. Okay. And finally, I'll just uh, wrap it up with those forms. Where, where do you do this? Do, do they have to contact an immigration lawyer like yourself to get this done? Or can they do this online? What do you suggest? So you can file for TPS online uh, and you can download the form from the USCIS website. Uh, we're always happy to do that for you as well. Um, but uh, in addition to the uh, protection form, the 812, you do need to file the 765, the I-765, if you're going to work. And you would need to file a request for advance parole or for a travel document. That's form I-131. Um, so those forms form the constellation of being able to take advantage of this program to work and then to leave the country during this temporary period. I'm going to throw one more at you because it just it occurred to me. Now, this announcement was made and they said it's going to be 18 months that you can stay in the country under temporary protected status. A lot can happen in 18 months. Uh, you you mentioned marriage. Somebody could meet somebody, fall in love, get married and then, you know, apply for immigration that way. What about people who they do well and they, you know, they've got this work authorization. Can they open a business? And if the business does well, they can apply to stay that way somehow? Sure. Uh, you know, there are so many different ways to open up the U.S. immigration toolbox and figure out a way to keep somebody in the country. So, uh, for instance, if somebody had the resources to invest in a business and get it up and running, 
and they were, say, a Ukrainian, uh, then we could take advantage of the E2 program. Or they might be able to find an employer who would sponsor them for an H1B. Or um, it, there are really so many different ways, and they're very fact-specific. So uh, come and talk to us. Uh, we might be able to find a way to have you obtain an actual non-immigrant status or to adjust to being a permanent resident while in the US. It, it, it's really so fact specific that uh, it, the world is your oyster. Well, at least the US is your oyster. Right. <laughs> I know so. that was a bad an analogy. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, if anybody can do it, I know that you can, Michael. That's Michael O'Rourke at M-O'Rourke at PaceLawFirm.com. Michael, thanks for this. We'll talk to you soon. Sure, Sean, my pleasure. Good to see you again. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.